Welcome to another episode of the Utah Geospatial Podcast. This is Greg Bunce. And I'm Matt Peters. And we're from the Utah Geospatial Resource Center. And this podcast will be bringing you geospatial news from across Utah. So today we're starting a new segment on the show called the Survey Corner. Uh, In this segment, we'll hear regularly from the state surveyor on what's happening in the world of surveying. And really, there are many reasons for doing this, with a couple being, one, the surveyors do GIS. And in fact, without a lot of the work that they do, it's very difficult, if not impossible, for us to maintain some of the core layers, such as the boundaries, the municipalities, the parcels, and many other ones. And then two, and here in Utah, um, the state surveyor position appropriately sits within the state GIS office. So we get to work closely with the survey team. So without further ado, we'd like to welcome you the one, the only, the amazing and the outstanding state surveyor, Sean Fernandez. (laughs) Thank you, Greg. Welcome. Killing me. (laughs) (laughs) That's the the goal. Good to be a part of the show today. Great. So I think that we should just, just jump right in and... You know, I'm sure that some folks, and maybe not all in Utah, but in other states probably wonder, so why is there a state surveyor? What What's up with that? Yeah, well, you know, before I get into explaining or answering the question, um, I think it's important for people to maybe look at that title, you know, the state surveyor. It sounds pretty prestigious and important, but, um, I was going to tell a quick story as kind of a lead in. So my, my daughter plays soccer for the Utah Valley University. And this last weekend, we were at the WAC tournament down in Phoenix, Arizona. And the team, they're, they're a great team. They made it to the final. They, they played tough. Um, in the final, it was interesting. It was 0-0 going into the last minutes. And um, all of a sudden, we uh, earned a PK uh, which meant we got a free kick um, at the goal. Well, it's funny, the girl that was called on to kick that free kick had only played about five minutes in the game, but she made the free kick. It ended up being the the goal that won the game, and she was later recognized as the most valuable player of the game, um, which I thought was was kind of funny because, you know, she'd only played really for five minutes. Um, so yeah. my, my point being is that... Uh, <laughs> It's funny how things like that work out, and and the same thing applies with the the title of state surveyor. You know, it's really just a title. Um, it's it's all the other people that that make this this thing uh, happen and make it successful. So we've got a team of cadastral members that I work directly with that that you know they make things happen. There are people at the county level that make things happen, other people at the state level, and and certainly everyone that works for our department. So, so go ahead. Vision yourself as kind of a, a coordinator. C- correct. Yes. Just a coordinator or an orchestrator, somebody that kind of keeps the ball rolling. But there are a lot of other team members that actually do the heavy lifting and make this all successful. So, you know, with that said, I think, Greg, you kind of led into um, some of the statute that created the position. But there are some key elements that we try to follow from that statute um, to continue this this coordination that Matt spoke of. There's a there's a section that in in statute that creates the position of the surveyor. And number one, it says that it must be a licensed surveyor. 
So I'm licensed, been licensed for a number of years, and I think that brings a lot to the table because with the license, you have some education and background that can help define some of the other responsibilities that are, um, ex that are asked uh, about in this legislation. Um, the next one is to provide technical support to the Lieutenant Governor's Office. So Lieutenant Governor's Office deals with government boundary changes like annexations, or anything that deals with a political subdivision change. And a lot of times they understand a lot of what's going on in the document, but they don't understand the survey part of it or the plat and description part of it. And that's where we come in is to support them by helping them understand that the description is correct, that it matches the intent of that boundary change. And we're, we're there for, for any number of questions, but that's really our prim primary responsibility there. Um, and then and also, and, for, and, and what, and what layer, like for what layers did that support, like when those legal descriptions come in typically? So mainly our county boundaries and our municipal boundaries are impacted by that statute. Okay. And then the next one is, um, helping county surveyors out in general. If they ever have any questions or anything, we have a lot of resources at the state so we can put those resources to use and, um, and we're just there for, for anything that they need. Um, anyway, if, uh, then the next one is if, if there is a problem with the county boundary, and that happens once in a while, and there may even be a dispute that comes up where counties don't agree on the location of a county boundary, uh, this position of surveyor is there to help resolve those disputes. And uh, we've had you know, one instance um, recently where we've dealt with the county boundary be between Grand County and San Juan County, where I was pulled into this discussion to, to try and help co coordinate those efforts and, and uh, fix that boundary. So, so in that case, are you guys out in the field or is this more behind, you know, using digital technology and, and computers? Mainly digital technology, but um, in that instance, I actually went down to each of the counties and sat through both of their commission meetings and did a presentation to the commissioners explaining why I felt the boundary should be in a certain location. Um, but I didn't actually get to get out in the field, which is which is a sad thing because this time of the year it's it's great to get in the field as a surveyor. But uh, yeah, that didn't happen. So hopefully in the future I'll get out in the field a little bit more. But for right now, it's a lot of office work. Yeah, think, thinking back real quickly though on on being a licensed surveyor, um, yeah, how, do, how does that work out? Is that something, is that in, in university or is that, you know, beyond that? So the requirements for licensure in Utah are you need at least a two-year degree in surveying and you need um, a number of years of experience. I believe it's four years of experience now working directly under a licensed surveyor, and then you need to pass three exams. So similar to a, an engineer's license, but it's specific to land surveying, and it deals mainly with resolving boundaries. And uh, that's that's why that that is important, and that's why that is a professional license. Yeah, definitely involved. Yeah, yeah. Um, so maybe just two more items from the list. One is to coordinate with the county recorders and surveyors to create a statewide parcel layer. So for the longest time, um, the state of Utah was without a digital version, statewide uh, version of parcels of private ownership and uh, public ownership. 
And so when the statute was created, um, I, I took that on as a responsibility I felt was very important. So I've been working directly with counties for a number of years trying to create this statewide layer. And right now we do have a statewide layer. It still is uh, lacking in a few areas, but um, it's one of those things we'll work on for a lot. We'll continue to work on and improve over the years. And then the last one, and this may be a lead into your other question, Greg, is um, to facilitate and integrate the collection efforts um, of the public land survey system section corners. And um, we have done a lot of work uh, with the PLSS, and I think we're going to talk about that in the future. But I think to go back and, and answer Matt's question, you know, what what is the the state surveyor? What what does he do, and and what's it all about? It's all about um, bringing people together, building partnerships, and trying to orchestrate um, all of these different things so that we can improve boundaries and um, we can improve the data and make it accessible to the public. Excellent. Yeah. So so the, so kind of moving into the PLSS or the Public Land Survey System. Um, Maybe you could talk a little bit about what that is and, and why and why you guys are working on it. Okay, yeah, so a little bit of history um, related to the public land survey system. I think a lot of people that are listening today probably know what it is, but um, maybe just a, a quick one that um, the PLSS is really just a survey method for subdividing and managing real property. and Pretty much every state west of the Mississippi uses the public land survey system to um, di divide and, and uh, convey property. So um, Utah being one of those states, that's, that's how we manage property. And over the years, it has become more and more difficult to manage that property as um, section corners or these corners of that system are um, impacted by development or destroyed by other methods. Um, it's difficult to um, convey proper descriptions of property. And so it's been it's been our job to go out and to maintain this system and try and identify corners that are missing, replacing those corners, and uh, doing everything we can to uh, to get this system up and going in Utah so that it can so we can actually convey correct descriptions and property. So with that said, we've we've used a lot of money from the state um, to build the system or help maintain the system. We've also gone to the federal government. We've had grants that have gone um, through our department to counties to try and um, help with these efforts. One of our most recent efforts has been um, what we're, we call the Survey Monument Preservation Act of 2015. There was a bill that was passed that, ha that has provided ongoing state funds of about $150,000 each year that goes through our department and is given to counties to try and maintain the public land survey system within a county. And when you say public land system, you're talking about this is also involving like the actual section corners, right? The monuments on the ground. Right, the section corners on the ground. So to help better explain that, um, there is there is a, a location in the middle of the downtown Salt Lake area. It's actually located at the uh, northwest corner of South Temple and Main Street, which is called the uh, Principal Meridian and Baseline 
for Salt Lake City. And all property within the state or most all property is described from that point. Um, from that point, um, the state is divided into townships and ranges. And within the township and range, there are sections. The section, well, a township is a um, 36 mile square. And to break it down even further, it's divided into one mile by one mile sections. And each corner that outlines that section is, is a section corner. And all properties um, in the state of Utah are described from one of those corners. So it's crucial that we know where those corners are and that they can be found on the ground so that surveyors can, uh, can mark out property corners. Um, but a lot, in a lot of cases, like I mentioned, those corners have been destroyed or, or something else has happened. So we're, we're making a big effort to try and, and clean that up. You know, Greg, something was ringing familiar there, and I believe that you wrote an article about the kind of the settling of the West and the public land survey system. Maybe we should get that link in the show notes. Yeah, definitely. It kind of looks at, you know, the patterns of development in the West. And and like Sean is saying, it's 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 so tied to the PLSS and and how growth really radiates from that central point and how land is subdivided and, and why it's so, you know, orthogonal and square in so many cases. But yeah, I, I'll, we'll drop that in the notes for sure. Well, Sean, I think that was an excellent overview of, of the state surveyor, um, you know, what that role does and, and, how, and how it's so critical to so many of the layers. I, I look at even my tax document um, for, for, the, for, the, for the house that I'm living in here, the parcel, you know, it, it has, that's how it describes where I am and what I own. Um, my in-laws as well own some property up in a rural area, a small piece of land, and I know that they're there's some discrepancies up there as to where those corners are and, and they're kind of resolving that now and where the neighbor is, there's a fence line that maybe is not following it, but, but back in the day, maybe it wasn't as accurate. So, so I think this is all just really still hugely critical to, to everything we do. I, I agree. It's critical to the public and it's critical to what we do at the UGRC. I mean, there are hundreds of layers of data that we maintain and we're trying to maintain those in the most accurate location as we possibly can. And, uh, you know, the ge geographic component of all this data is critical. Uh, and so we, we view the public land survey system or all these section corners as really the backbone of a lot of this data. So it's, it, that data is only as accurate as that PLSS data. And so we want to make sure that it's correct. And, and that's what we're really pushing for. It's a group effort. It takes a lot of coordination, but we're we're making progress, and uh, that's what makes it fun and exciting. Yeah, I like the way you put it. It, it is the backbone, and and the data is only good as it as that is. I know when I was in Maricopa County, they did a whole project readjusting the survey corners, and then when that was done, all of the data then shifted um, to reflect that adjustment. Correct. So a lot of the responsibility of the public land survey system uh, nationwide falls um, under the umbrella of the Bureau of Land Management, the BLM. And uh, recently, and when I say recently, probably I think it's been four years now, we signed a, an agreement with the BLM that the state of Utah, UGRC, would um, help maintain these um, section corners in Utah. And since then, um, we've collaborated with, like I said, the counties, um, other state organizations, um, state trust lands has been a big part of it. 
um, and, and through these efforts, uh, it, we have a pretty good digital version of this data. Okay, well, thanks for the information. That was great. Uh, I think it's good that we take a little time on that and kind of give people the full picture. So as we move forward and the survey corner becomes a regular feature in the podcast, we can have short snippets of, of information about the happenings in Utah. Sounds good. Yeah, I would like to give more details. It would it would be fun to show some um, some specific problems that we're dealing with, um, and then expand on that um, because, like you mentioned, Greg, it it's not just impacting people that deal with this uh, geographic data. It's it's everyone that owns property in the state of Utah is impacted by it. Um, so it's kind of fun that uh, we're all a part of this. And uh, anyway. Excellent. Well, we'll look forward to this segment. And thanks for taking the time today to fill us okay. in. Hey, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Remember, location matters. We'd like to bring a new section onto the show called Location Matters. Uh, Matt and I will be bringing some information um, that we pick up throughout the week and bring it here. So, you know, one thing that I did find out, I've been thinking about, you know, this idea of, of people that aren't traditional GIS users. I, I'd have to say that is my focus at the moment is non-traditional, what we consider non, well, people that do GIS, they just don't know it or they need to do it. They just don't know it yet, you know. So anyway, uh, consumer fraud and also insurance fraud, I think are two things that could, location could really help bear out uh, trends and things that are happening. And so I'm reaching out to those agencies to see what can be done. Uh, AGRC, I consider AGRC to have some amount of curiosity money, for lack of a better term. And this is where we can get some agency data and see what story we can tell with that data, uh, see what questions we can uh, elicit from the users of the data and to understand better their processes because they're the subject matter experts, but we have the data and the tools. Well, we have the tools, they have the data and they give us the data, they're the subject matter experts. We work together to tell a story. Yeah, I think that's huge. I think just bridging the non-GIS folks with the GIS folks. I think that's the next wave of all of this for all of us is, is getting in the same room and, and doing exactly that because we are starting to speak the same language in yeah, so many yeah. aspects. Yeah. Maybe, maybe this could be like the, the geospatial tide. <laughs> I like it. Play on, the, play on the, what do they call that? The crimson tide. So this is the geospatial tide. Yeah, and then another thing we have is the is the CCO license. Um, I think your data is in the public domain, or you, you, because the state says it's in the public domain. But a lot of these private industries, if you're not if you're not specifically putting CCO on your web page or on the data page, for a lot of them, it's it's just not accessible. 
Yes, and I, I do believe that, that that is an issue and that it just it just levels the playing field and gives everyone a common framework to say, yes, we all adhere to this standard. And it, it just allows our, our private sector folks kind of an assurance and a commonality among states. Right. Yeah, so I guess the whole idea here with this this the CCO, the Creative Commons Zero, is is just going the extra mile to put the stamp on our data um, if we want it to be used by the by the private sector and the public sector because they're looking for that tag and if they're if they're not seeing that tag, you know, they might bypass the data because because some of the limitations that they have internally don't allow them to use that and that that's not a good thing for us. We want our data to be used. Yeah, and that's the thing is you're you're putting a common stamp that they can recognize across the states and go, yep, yep, that's fine to use. We know what that means. Exactly. Um, what's happening around the state of Utah? I know we've got UGIC, that's they're looking for some pre-conference input for October. Um, yes, down in Bryce Canyon. Uh, and then I believe that uh, you, are you doing work in Iron County? Yeah, we are. We we started talking to them, um, some of the addressing folks in the engineering department, and and they have a need for for having a statewide, or they have a need for just in Iron County having an address grid that allows them to place a point, you know, on the map, and kind of suggest where that address should be as they bring in new addresses. Right now, they're using paper and pencil and and rulers, and so we started thinking about it and. We've had some code floating around the office for years and kind of ad hoc, you know, solutions for different counties. But but I think it's time to start thinking about a statewide address grid that we could build. And and this also got us thinking about, um, you know, this is a good idea. Well, where do we put good ideas? So we came up with a good idea platform, um, calling it Darwin. So we're using GitHub for that. And and that's that idea is out there right now in our in our Darwin repo, and uh, you could vote it up, make some comments on it, and see if we can kind of gain a little traction on this. But again, the just the idea of being a some kind of a statewide grid that allows a user to just pop onto the map, click somewhere, and say, you know, where what 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 is a recommended address for this area? And we have that for most of the areas that are populated by using the road center lines. But the value of this one is where when we get outside of our existing road center lines, that's where things get fuzzy. You know, I think that's a good idea because do you know that in the month of March, UGRC had 11,884,738 requests to the to the API, that's geocoding and searching. Wow. That's a significant number. No doubt. Yeah, and this would kind of, this would boost that number as well. This essentially would be doing some reverse geocoding. Um, but yes, definitely paints the idea that these services that we're putting out there are getting used. Yes. Yes. And I think that's, that's important. Yeah. Well, I think that's the episode for today. Um, unless you have anything else to add, Matt. Uh, you know, I think the best thing is just to add two plus two and see that it still equals four. <laughs>